0: Just to summarise what we were talking about two weeks ago, next week we're having a really wonderful opportunity to take up an offering to help Jonathan and Louise Macy kickstart their work in Thames Mead at Church of the Cross. And it's an opportunity in two ways it's an opportunity to serve someone else and to bless someone else and help someone kickstart their mission to reach the thousands of people who live there. But also it's a prophetic thing for us because it's God's saying to us, hey guys, you're bigger than you realise and you've got more than you realise and you can be part of nourishing and feeding yes. and helping other people fulfil their calling and destiny. So it's a powerful thing because it changes our hearts and also blesses someone else. So I want to talk into that a little bit again So that's the vision, that's, that's why we're doing it. I want to tell you a couple of stories. One of them is, it came back to me um, a couple of weeks ago was when I, I think I've told you before, when I was 10 years old And uh, I I tended to go home for lunch at junior school, but on a Friday uh, at the school, you could have school dinners. And on a Friday, they did chips, (laughs) which, so if you're gonna have school dinners, it was, you know, that was the day you asked mum and dad, can we have school dinners on that day? And I remembered that we sat on a table of eight people and the uh, dinner ladies would come and they put a tray of chips in the middle. And there would be the chip monitor, who would distribute the chips. And I noticed that whenever that person was the chip monitor, they seemed to have a really large plate of chips. And everybody else had a smaller plate of chips. And that really annoyed me as a ten-year-old. And and it came back to me, this thought in my head, if I am in a chip monitor, everybody will get a fair portion. (laughs) And so... I was chip monitor, and because maybe my uh, ability, visual ability, isn't that great, my distribution ability wasn't that great, so I ended up with no chips, which wasn't (laughs) the idea was to be fair, not to have no chips whatsoever. But um, that was on my heart that everybody should have a fair portion of chips. And then, in my 20s, I was given responsibility to be a community group leader, cell group leader, or house group leader, a small group of people. And I remember it was a Tuesday, praying with a lady called Joan Gowey, who was a real prayer warrior, a real woman of faith, and we just loved praying with her. And another lady called Sarah Porter, who we were kind of leading this group together. And I remember we were, we were wrapping up praying, and it suddenly struck my heart that God says, I called you to be a gold prospector. I've called you to find the gold, the calling, the anointing, the purpose in men and women's heart. And you're to draw it out. And when you spot the gold, you're to cry out, there's gold in those hills and go after it. So this, those two stories, suddenly my mind came together as a 10-year-old believing, actually, I want, I want everybody to have a portion of the chips. And everybody has calling, grace, anointing and purpose. Everybody is made for purpose. Everybody has a calling upon their lives. And so, you you could ask us, actually, what's this church all about? If you were to drill down and find out what we're all about, what would you find at the very core? Or if you like sticks of rock from the seaside, what would you find written all the way through the stick of rock? And I believe it would be this, that God has called us to raise up big men and women. That's what... If you said, what are you all about... Big men and women, spiritual sons and daughters who become spiritual mums and dads, who raise up spiritual sons and daughters, who become big men and women, who know who they are, who know their identity. They know their sons and daughters adopted by the king. They're, they're not struggling with identity issues. They know they are dearly <coughs> beloved of the Heavenly Father who delights in them and says it, as it does it in Luke 15, you are my son, you are my daughter, um, you, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. That we would know who we are, that we'd have that Galatians cry of Abba Father. That we'd have that sense of identity of, I know I've got an inheritance, I know I've got something to spend, I know I'm on earth for a purpose. And the joy of then seeing people live out that great purpose. This is why I'm on earth. Or if you heard a Tim's talk two weeks ago from Ephesians two ten about, and he told a wonderful illustration about that drill bit that was made for purpose, that did one thing in effect, but that saved them ours. And it's such a joy when we find out who we are and what we're on earth for and begin to live it out. And the power that enables people to live it out is the power of intimacy, of connection with the Father. Of hearing his, I'm really pleased with you. I approve of you. I love you. You're, you. you're my delight. You're my song. I enjoy you. Sons and daughters who know their identity. I know intimacy with the Father. Who just know that it's not my efforts plus the finished work of Jesus. It's always just the finished work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Something One person said, what kills the Christian quicker? Is it... Legalism, He said, no, actually, the law is good as long as it's used lawfully. The law is a good thing. It shows people they've fallen short of the standard of heaven. The thing that kills Christians is when they mix law and grace together. <laughs> they think it's a bit of grace, a bit of God's goodness, a bit of his gift, and a bit of their effort. Actually, it's all grace all the way through. And it's when we understand grace that we understand intimacy. And finally, in being big men and women, is this calling for impact. So it's identity, it's intimacy, it's impact. And we want every single believer to know that you can have an impact in the world that you live in. And it will be the impact that reflects who you are and your personality and the way that God has wired you. Your impact will look different to someone else's impact because you are unique and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's got purpose that he established for you before the foundation of the world. But you're to know who you are in the beloved. Who you are in Jesus. And to have impact wherever you go. And that's the wonderful thing about the, uni- the body of Christ. And how the impact looks different from one person to the next person to the next person. There's such a joy in knowing I know why I'm here. And I'm beginning to grow fruit in that. And that's what we want. Or as John Wimber said, the great the guy who got saved in the 70s, and uh, he came out of the world of rock music and drugs, and he went into the church and he said, when do we get to play? <laughs> Did I give up all of that for just sitting in a meeting? I want to play. <laughs> and we want to say to you, you get to play. You get to do the stuff. You get to walk in an adventure with Jesus Christ. That's what's on our heart, that the chips would get fairly distributed that you, you would have a plate full of calling and impact and stories. And that's what we're all about. And that's what we want to do. And so it's into that vision that I want to talk about money. It's into that, that's, the big, that's the big vision. Big men and women. And Jesus said that actually how we respond to money can have a huge effect upon the seed that gets into our heart. That actually, how we respond to money and how we look at money can actually be one of the things that either makes us or breaks us in our calling to be world changers and world impactors. Because the subject of money, I don't know if you feel this about this offering, it can poke and prod you a bit. It can poke and prod. It can make you ask questions like, Actually, I wish we were taking up an offering for something we're doing. (laughs) That would be easier. (laughs) There are things that we could do, that we'd love to do, that we can think, maybe I won't be able to do them. It can poke and prod us. It can poke us and prod us and make us feel, if I give to this, I'm going to have less. I won't have enough for the dreams and things that I want to do. It can touch us. If I give X amount, I won't have X amount, it can touch our heart and poke and prod us. The topic of money, I don't know if there's any other topic like it, but it, it does something in our heart that exposes some of the issues that's going on, some of our trust issues, and some of the ways we see God and how we see ourselves and see his ability to provide. So, this offering has a dual purpose, it Projects us to be a prophetic people. So actually we're going to be a generous people. We're going to be countercultural. We're going to be those who empower and release. Other people to do their calling. As a body of people. But it also functions as an, a spiritual MOT of our heart. And if how many of you have got cars. And annually you put the car in the MOT. And you just want to hear back. It's past. You don't want to hear back it's failed, and it's failed by hundreds of pounds, and the emissions are problematic, or your brakes are broken, or there's something else. You just want to hear, it's past, have another day, have another year of motoring. And so the subject of money is like a spiritual MOT, and we place our hearts in it, and we say, highlight my heart, God. I want to know if there's any rocks in my heart. And Jesus says in uh, in Mark Mark four nineteen about how money can choke. I want to know if there's anything growing in my heart that's about to choke out the seed. Jesus says in um in Mark chapter four and verse nineteen. But the worries of this life, like uh, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I want to go for a spiritual MOT because I want to know if anything's beginning to choke out the word. That <laughs> You know, he speaks to us and he speaks into our heart and the possibility of a good soil, good heart is a 30, 60, 100 times return on the one seed. I want to know if anything in my heart right now is choking out the life of the seed. Is anything growing up? Are there any rocks? Are there any entanglements? And a topic of giving leads us to see what's going on in our heart. Jesus says in Luke 15 about money, he says that if money is your boss, you can end up hating and despising God. He says in uh, 16 and verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Bible said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Mm. Amen. Mm. But the love of money can make us hate and despise God who brings freedom. And we don't even know what's going on until the topic of money comes up. And then we realise, actually, I'm trusting money. When I look at the future, I'm trusting money to provide my comfort, my security, my opportunities, my refreshment. And if it's there, I have courage for the future. If it's not there, I lose it. And Jesus says, you can't serve both God and the spirit of money. In that that translation it says mammon, which is is the spirit, the demonic spirit that operates behind the love of money, which produces the fruit of hating and despising God. And so when we come to an offering like this, and we're serious about our souls, and we're serious about our inner spiritual health, we have to say, let this offering do its work in my heart. Let it do its work in my heart. Because maybe you feel right now uncomfortable. And taking that road picture that we heard earlier on about roadblocks or whatever. You, you know, to be a Christian is to have Jesus driving. Yeah? Not Jesus in the back seat. <laughs> and, uh, Jesus, where do you want to go? You try to look at him every every now and then. But you're driving, or, you're the back seat driver, and Jesus has got the wheel, and you're kind of telling him the best directions of how to get to where you want to get to. There's actually Jesus in the front seat, and so we can be feeling right now, Jesus, why are we driving along Generosity Road? I don't want to go along Generosity Road. I want to go along... Supernatural Healing Road. Why are we driving along Supernatural Healing Road, Jesus? Yeah. Why are we out, Why are we on this road? I can't wait to get over this road. I can't wait until next week is over and then we can get to the next road. Why are we going on this road? And Jesus would say, actually, because this road is a powerful road, and if we travel along this road, it will accelerate your growth, yes. and it will remove constraints and it will remove limits. This road, he's got loads of purposes. Let's travel along this road together because I'm going to teach you not to be self-reliant. And I'm going to break this, the poverty mentality in you and the fear of there not being enough. You know, let me drive you along this road because there's so many great things that I'm going to do in terms of your freedom and your purpose. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to qualify you. I'm going to promote you. As you go along this road. I'm going to trust you with true riches. See it's not that we can buy from God. Anointing and grace for things. It's not a barter system. In which we come to God and say. I'm giving this and now you give me true riches. It's really all about the heart. Because Paul says in Galatians. How do you receive the spirit? How does God work miracles amongst you? Is it by works of the law? Or is it or is it that you simply believe the promise? It's always free. It's always grace. It's never merited, it's never earned, it's never deserved. It is not if I give X amount, I'm going to get X amount of blessing back. It's not if I demonstrate this amount of sacrifice, you'll give me this amount of true riches back. It's nothing to do with that. This is about the heart. This is about being good soil. The word comes into our heart, it's always a free gift. Always a free gift. And that's the responsibility partly of leaders, uh, Tim and I, is the culture of the church. to say, we want to be good soil. We want to be good soil. If the seed of what God's doing amongst us is going to have a 30, 60, 100 times return, then corporately as a church, we've got to be good soil. If we're going to transform our, our, our location from a poverty mindset, we've got to be good soil of a countercultural people who know for certain the goodness and the grace and the provision of God. We've got to be countercultural. So that when people come in and struggling with poverty and there's not enough and feelings of insignificance and worklessness and it won't work here, there's another culture, there's another soil where the good things of the kingdom are growing and they can taste and see actually, well, this is what heaven's about. There is a place where there is no such thing as impossible because here's a people who are growing in that kind of soil. And if we want to have a transformation wherever we go, we want God to change the soil of our hearts Remove the choking things. Remove the rocks so that I might bear much, much fruit. And so don't go through the offering and don't go through the motions with this offering, yeah? Yeah. Don't go into robot mode. Leaders have told me to give. What's the minimum I can afford? I going through the motions. Let it work in your heart. (laughs) Don't go through the motions. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on in my heart right now? What do I really feel about this? Do I feel faith or do I feel fear? Do I feel freedom or do I feel I'm being commanded? Do I feel the choice? Do I feel the liberty?" Is there fear in me that if I don't give, good things won't happen? Because God is the God of all hope. He does not motivate through fear of punishment. He doesn't motivate through superstition. That if I don't do X, he won't do Y. That's not how God operates. It's all of grace. So ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on in my heart right now? What's going on in me? And ask him, what do I need to do about that? This is what's going on in my heart. What do I need to do about that? Is there a response? Something that you're calling me to do? Mm -hmm. Don't give out of fear. Don't give out of legalism. This is a place where we want heaven to invade. And heaven is the freest place there is. You are free to give and you are free not to give. You are free to give and you are free not to give. We're going to finish off by just uh, looking at this amazing account in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 of this radical community who gave into an offering. And I just want to draw out a few things on this. It just says in chapter 8 and verse 1. Now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So Paul wants us to know that something very, very unexpected happened in this Macedonian church. That though they were extremely poor, they gave generously. I want to get under the bonnet and understand what was going on in the hearts of the minds of these radical believers that 2,000 years later, we're still looking at this poor church that gave richly into a famine that another church was suffering. And one of the keys is first here, in verse 5, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. See, whatever you do, whether you give or don't give, that's not really the most important question. The most important question is, have you given yourself to God? Have you given yourself to God? That's the most important question anybody can ever ask themselves. Forget what you're feeling about the offering, whether you're excited and can't believe we get to partner and see expansion in Thames Mead. That, that we get to give into this church and we get to be partners with other people and seeing men and women come to Jesus. That might be where you're at. Or maybe you're out at, at the moment, Jesus don't drive me along Generosity Boulevard, I don't want to go there. That the, 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 whatever you're feeling in those senses is not the first biggest question. The first question is, have you given yourself first to the Lord? Because if we want to understand the Macedonian church and their extreme generosity, their overflowing joy, and their begging of Paul to give even out of what they didn't have, we have to understand that first of all, they've given themselves to the Lord, that they've given themselves to God, that ultimately. When the request of an offering came in, for them it was, wow, we get to partner with the Father because we're already wanting to love him, serve him and get in on what he's doing. They first gave themselves to God and their offering was with overflowing joy. Mm -hmm. If you want overflowing joy, if you want to be overflowing joy in this, the first place is, God, I belong to you. That actually they had first given themselves to God. There's a sense of romance here. There's a sense of being gripped by God. There's a sense in which, like that picture we have from Rebecca, they'd seen God, they'd seen his glory, they'd seen his beauty, they'd seen his majesty, they'd seen who God was. And they were absolutely besotted and devoted and gripped by God. And so when an offering opportunity came up, well, we want to be in, because we want to be in on what you're doing in the earth. So they begged to give, it says in the verses. Everything of our experience rests ultimately upon what we really, really believe. That's why you've got to let this offering do its work. You have to let God dig down to reveal what you really believe about God. An offering like this gives an opportunity for us to say, actually, have I given myself first to God? Have I given myself to you, God? How, is my heart yours? Are you, are you driving this car, or am I just the, 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 the passenger telling you our orders? Or Jesus, have I really asked you to take over at all? Or are you in the back seat? And I'm driving you where I want you to go, and then when I get to where I want to go, I get you out and say, Now blessed Jesus. Does my heart belong to you? Have I given myself to you? Because these guys, their first thing is they gave themselves first to God. It's the most important question any human being can be asked is Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? He's the saviour, he's the son of God, he's the one who rescues us, he's the one who gives us new birth, he's the one who connects us to the father. And we have to say, who, who do I say you are, God? Because there's moments we have to say, am I just going through the motions? And sometimes these things come along, opportunities, MOT tests, they just test our heart. It's not the only test. There are other things that can test our heart, like we're gripped by worry and anxiety. That can tell us a lot about our trust and belief in God. But this is the topic we're looking at this month. And it just, for some of you, it just gives an opportunity to say, actually, have I first given myself to God? See, this is just for some of you. It is possible to be born in a Christian household And have the habit of Christian practice and going to church, and and you can you can easily mistake that for I've had an encounter with God and I've first given myself to God. I'm saying to you, if you if you don't there's got to be this growing romance with him, this growing passion for him, this growing devotion to him, this growing connection to him. I'm not calling anyone to question your salvation. I'm just saying, uh, even in a small group like this, there can be people who actually have never stopped to ask the question, is this it? <laughs> is this it? I, I go to church every Sunday, and I go through the motions. I don't want to ask, ask you, do you know him? Yeah. And sometimes we can't always say a day and a time. Some people can, some people can't. But you can say this. That there was a moment when I went from darkness to light. It happened maybe steadily, but I know I've come to know him. Well, for others, we know we're saved. We know we know him. We know it. We know it. We know it. We know it. But you just feel dry. <laughs> and you just think this is lifeless. And actually this offering can <laughs> just feel like another burden. If as if life wasn't hard enough already. Now we're going to do this. gives you an opportunity to stop. It doesn't really matter whether you give next week or not. Whether your heart is in that place or not. It's irrelevant. But right now you can say, Oh God, I've, I've been going through the motions. And this has exposed my heart. And I read about these Macedonians and they've got overflowing joy and they begged and they gave beyond their ability and they were so, so liberated in their confidence in you. And I'm just a dry old stick. I want to give myself to you, I want to be ruined by you, I want to be in love with you God, I want you to be my passion and my delight and my waking song, revive me, let the living waters flow through me again, money is a secondary topic, it just is. They gave them first to themselves first to the Lord, and all the other stuff was byproduct, overflow. Everything comes down to this: Am I in love with God because I know what He thinks about me, and is that just growing in my heart? Evangelism isn't something we do; then it's just something we are. We just flow, and then we overflow in our unique ways. Because God's heart for you and his heart for me is, so I want to take you from a foundation of fear to a foundation of the Father. I want you to know how big God is and how rich he is and how wonderfully resourced he is and how full of abundance he is. I want to draw you, God would say, onto a wonderful adventure where you just see how capable I am to give you everything you need and want so that you might abound in generosity. Yeah. It's a wonderful invitation for an encounter with God. Yeah. That's what's at the core of it, the heart of it. He wants us to know him. And that's what the spirit of mammon robs us of. It makes us believe that money can be God. God. And lead us to despising the very one who can satisfy our souls. And giving an offering gives us an opportunity to say, no, 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 my eyes are fixed on the king. Yes. There is only one who can satisfy my soul. And I must know him. And then it says, by the will of God, they gave themselves to us. So they gave themselves first to God, and then they gave themselves to leadership. And he says that later on, I uh, I didn't command them. I am not commanding you, he talks to the Corinthians. I'm not commanding you. Gotta be liberated in your heart to know that you As a believer, your first responsibility is find out for yourself what pleases the Lord. And if leadership just commands you to give, it does not mature you to connect with God yourself and to ask him, Father, what would you like me to do in this? What would you want me to decide in this? And he might say to you, son and daughter, actually, I don't want you to do anything in this right now. Or he might say, son, I really want you to get stuck in on this. No one's commanding you. And I think freedom scares us. Tell me the rules. Give me the list. Tell me the films I can't watch, the books I can't watch, the shows I can't go to, the music I can't listen to. Give me the list. Do you have a list? Find out what pleases the Lord. Walk by the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Find out what pleases God. I think in the end, the Macedonians had got a grip or grasp of who God was. The generosity of the heart of God. And how they'd seen that Jesus was willing to give himself he says, I want you to t-. he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the eagerness of others. That's the Macedonians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake, your sake, he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might become rich. That's what it's all about. I see you, Father, and I see your extravagant generosity and kindness. I see your goodness and I want to become like your son, Jesus. I want to become like you. I want you to rub off on me. I want to view life like you view life. Change me, move me, motivate me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if you don't know God yet, today you can come and meet with him. Come and know the father who absolutely loves you so much. He's the father of Luke 15 who has been watching you and waiting for you. And when he sees you, make even the tiniest inclination towards him, runs to you and puts his arms around you. And puts a ring of authority on your finger and a robe on your back to say you're clean and you're righteous, and puts fresh sandals on your feet and says, Come home, son, come home, daughter. I'm going to throw a party because you are home. You can come home today to the most wonderful father in the whole universe and you can know his love. You can be ignited in your faith today. Dear son or daughter, you don't have to go through the motions. You don't have to remain dry. You can say, I'm coming to you, God. Let living water flow. Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. He doesn't say, if anyone's holy, come. Anyone's thirsty. It's the only qualification you need. I'm thirsty. I'm coming to drink. I'm thirsty for more of you. And when he does an MOT on our heart, he's not condemning. He's the God of all hope. He doesn't go, oh no, I didn't know that rock was there. That changes everything. I didn't realize you were that choked up inside. He says, let me unravel that. Let me remove that rock. Let, the, let, let the, the flow go again. Go again. I'm not discouraged. I'm not disappointed with you. I just want you to be free. I want you to be free. I want to set you free from waking up in the middle of the night and worrying about finances and worrying about will you have enough and... Worrying about the future and feeling that you've got to do it all yourself. Even now God would say, I'm moving you from a foundation of fear to a foundation of the father. So you would know you have not got to do this all yourself. And I just feel God would want to say to somebody here, who from maybe from a young age, it was instilled in you that you've got to make it happen for you. And you've got to provide for you. And you've got to look after yourself. And you felt driven and restless and troubled because you've always felt, I am responsible. And God just wants to lift that burden off you right now and that you would know the Father says, I'm responsible for you. And I'm responsible for providing you, for you and giving to you everything that you could ever need. And he just says, lay it down, son or daughter, lay it down, that restless striving that sometimes keeps you up at night. Even see you looking at numbers on a page and just trying to make it work. And God just says, it's good to be diligent, it's good to budget, it's good to plan, it's wise to be a good steward, but fear has got in on you. And he just comes right now and says, I'm going to break that off you. I'm just going to take that burden off yes. you and give you such a sense of my love and my compassion and my ability to provide all that you need and make it abound to you right now. So, what he says to you is lay it down. Lay it down. You don't have to make it work. You just need to rest and trust in me. Yeah. Just, just be reminded as well of our commission here to be good soil. A culture of freedom, a culture of generosity, a culture where we know we're powerful people because we know actually we can make things happen for other people too. we're called to be more than just those who passively wait. Someone notices us no no we're we're a church along with other churches to be a catalyst to changing this area, and we're becoming good soil increasing the rocks are being removed. Things that choke are being removed from us. Liberty's coming in fresh ways to us. And it's part of what God's doing. Let's stand. Thank you, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Just this picture in worship actually it was a paint can. And uh, there was pressure growing inside it. And it was good pressure, and the lid burst off. Yeah. And uh, you know what happens if the paint blows up? It puts colour everywhere, doesn't it? <laughs> you just say that God's doing that in some of you—that you're just knowing there's a growing sense of Him, and the lid's coming off, yeah, you. and, and you're just going to—you're going mm. spray colour wherever you go. Mm. It's not horrible pressure. It's—it's it's, it's, it's joy and True. Him and. More of him igniting our hearts. And the lid is coming off. And it's not even, you're going to do, you're not thinking I'm spraying paint now. Or uh, there's a new role for me to spray paint. It's just going to happen. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God is going to spray. And it's your colour. It's unique to you. It's like you're tagging people. <laughs> With your personality and who God is in you. So we say let the lid blow off. In Jesus' name. We thank you for stories already Mm. where that's happening. Mm. And we just say, let the lid blow off. Mm. It happens in romance. It happens in worship. It happens in love of God, trusting him. The pressure grows and the lid bursts off. Thank you. Yeah. Ruin us, God. Ruin us, God, for your love. Mm. Light a fire in our hearts. Mm. Ha. Light a fire, God. Mm. Light of fire, God. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burning oh, God. us, God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you're so good, Jesus. The romance of the gospel. Being loved by God. Just grow in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then let us burst wherever we go. In mm-hmm. Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Father. He just says to some of you, I break mm-hmm. off you frustration that you've always wanted to be more influential than you thought. You could be. You felt, actually, my personality holds me back. And he just says, no, 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 no. Your personality is going to be the color that splashes. Now let me build up the pressure inside through my love. And it's going to blow totally the lid off. Yeah. It so just breaks frustration yeah, of feeling just... I've got to make it happen. I've yeah. got to try harder. I've got to get a new personality. He says, no, no, it's going to be who you are and who I've made you to be. That's going to yeah. be how it happens. So we say that right now into families that where there's been anxiety and worry, you're going to be the bringer of peace in a new way. The way you react is going to bring heavenly shalom, heavenly wholeness into environments like never before. is going to happen. Over dinner tables, the way you react is going to change and the way you talk is going to change. It's going to be heaven's peace is going to come. And there's going to come love that's going to break fear off people. Just say over anybody who just knows actually my my mum fear, my, my grandmother fear There's just been fear awesome. because there's no perfect love's gonna break that fear off you and it's gonna cast it out and it's just gonna flush yes. it out. It's gonna be a transformation in your family. Because a fearless generation is rising up who doesn't react yes. like the past generation. Yes. And they're gonna wanna know where did you conquer fear from? Yeah, we mm. praise you, God. You're at work in us. Yes, Lord. Yeah. We thank mm. you. You're doing more than we realise. Yeah, yeah
1: that's bless you, bless mm. you, God.
0: Huh. That's right. Yeah, just right now. If you know you're dry, come to Him. Yeah. yeah right. Even right now, come to Him. Yeah. Jesus just better. said, mm. "If you're thirsty, come. Yeah. Come and drink. Mm. Whoa, come and drink now. Come and set your heart on Him. Mm. Drink by faith." Got to be, he's a good father so we're asking for the living water that's what we're going to get so you just draw close to him and he will draw close Thank to you. Come, you come and just bring your thirst man, come, I'm thirsty I want God. The Thank you, more I don't want to go through the motions yeah. I don't want to just go on expecting same old, same old and just yeah. doing yeah. traditions I want God Whoa. I'm not settling for anything less than God yes. I'm not settling for anything less than God encounters yes God refreshing my soul. I'm not yeah. going through the motions. I'm going to meet with you. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm expecting the Bible to come alive like yeah. never before. Yeah. And my prayer life to come alive like never before. And my yeah. worship. Because I'm not right. going through the motions. I'm not going through superstitional traditions of men. I'm coming to meet with God. Yes. Yeah, let it ignite in our hearts, God. It raises the bar of yeah. your expectations right now. Yes. In Jesus' name. He's so eager to meet yes. He's so eager to meet More eager than you are yes. to meet with him. Yes. yes, that's yeah. true. Wow, love you, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. you. we love you God. We love you God. Bless you, bless you God. Thank you. Thank you.